but we're going to be in Luke. It's the gospel of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, third book of the New Testament. Fourth chapter. We're going to be in verse 40, and it's just one verse. That's all we need. One verse to give us our direction for this entire series of where we're headed. And this is what it says. Now, when the sun was setting, all those who had any, come on and say any. One more time, say any. All those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, the him being Jesus. Just want to make sure I'm clarifying that. It was Jesus. They brought him and brought them to Jesus, all the people with all the different diseases. It says this, and he laid his hands on every. Now say every. Now say any and every. (laughs) Not ebony and ivory. Praise the Lord. Any and every. He laid his hands on every one of them and he healed them. God, we believe, but help our unbelief. Help us to see that it's any and every person we bring to you, you will heal. That you will set free. That you will strengthen. That you will save. And Lord, I just pray that today you would take us from where we are and bring us to where you are. Bring us to the place where you want us to be. Seated in heavenly places by your side as co-heirs of Christ I pray that to happen I pray that we would take another step towards that right now in Jesus mighty name and everybody said amen amen listen hug three people Won't you tell them this say God is still moving God is still moving tell them God is still moving what's up CWC how y'all doing today are you good <clears throat> come on if you're good everybody say I'm good, good. I'm good amen Well, look, man, it is 2020, 2020, which marks the start of of not only a new year, but a new decade. Come on, a new decade. And with the new year, right, comes what we hope to be change, right? Now, now look, I understand this, that, that just because the new year hits, it's not like automatically we just we just change. It's not like there's this internal or this external clock that, that goes off like, bah, bah, here you go. Here's all the change you need. Take it and, and run with it and, and love it and enjoy it. That's, that's not what happens. That's kind of what I wish happened. However, that isn't what happens. However, what can happen is, is this with the new year. We can use it as a starting point for change. We really can. We can use it perhaps even as like a catapult into change. And excitement for change is what the new year can bring. Excitement for change. Because what the the new year can do is it can bring about the reality, first of all, that we can change. It can bring to the forefront of our minds the the necessity for, for change. Now, for those of you who live a perfect life, this isn't for you today. Amen. Check out. Go have a cup of coffee on me. But for the rest of us who desire change and who understand we need, we need to change. Man, it's, it's right up our alley. Amen. And man, I'll tell you, that's why I love the new year. I love it because it does. It makes me refocus and reset to say, wait a minute. There's these things in my life that I need to, 
I need to straighten these things up. Because through the year, right, it's so busy. Life is so busy. It just is what it is. You kind of get, you get just taken on this, this ride. And the next thing you know, we're at the new year. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, wanted, to change, I wanted to change that. And so I can use it to say from this point forward, I'm going to eat better. Amen. From this point forward, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work out more, right? From this point forward, I'm going to do things to better myself and to better, to better my health. This is what the new year can bring about for us, which, which by the way, is, is great, right? It's great. And here's why I say it's great. It's because the Bible says, God's word says, physical training is of some value. Physical training is of some value. So, so the things that we choose to do with the start of the new year, which by the way, we call what? Resolutions, new year resolutions. They're, they're great, man. They're great because they are of some value. Physical training is of some value, but godliness. But godliness, spiritual training is of value in every single way. It's of value in every way. And here's what I'm trying to say, right? The same mentality that comes about with the new year that, that says, man, I can, I can change the way I eat. The same mentality that comes with the new year that I can change the way I look and the way I feel by changing these certain things is the same mentality that we can utilize at the new year to seek spiritual change. It's the same mentality. It's the same mentality that we can use to say, man, you know what? I can change if I pursue Jesus. I can, I can change if I seek godliness. I can, I can change if I'm open to spiritual training. I can, I can change. So with that being said, if that's our attitudes, if that's our heart, if that's our declaration, then what takes place is we are no longer interested in just New Year's resolutions. We're interested in transformation. That's what we're interested in when we say that. Not just resolutions, because I'm gonna be honest with you, resolutions usually don't last. We might do a week of it, maybe two, three if we got a lot of willpower. But, but transformation by the Spirit, that's forever. That's forever. And we can use the new year to create in us this, this mindset and this mentality to take the opportunity to seek after Jesus with everything that is within us for transformation instead of just resolutions. That's what we can do with it. Resolutions are fine, man, because physical training is of some value. It's of some value, but, but godliness is of value in every single way. In this life, it says in this life, but also in the life to come. Also in the life to come. So instead of just, you know, making these resolutions to say I need to eat better and I need to work out more, why don't we shift our mindset and our view to say, I need to be in his word more. I need to be on my knees more. I need to be worshiping him more. I need to be in church more. Why can't we use it to say, hey, with this new year, I choose, I choose you over everything else, God. Jesus, I choose you over everything. I choose you over partying. I choose you over lying. I choose you over drugs, sex, and rock and roll. I choose you over every person, every place, and everything. Everything is found in you, and I choose you over all of it. Jesus, I choose 
I choose you. And see, this is what we can do with the new year. We can, we can say, hey, instead of resolution, I want transformation. And if we're living that way where we're choosing Jesus over everything, we are showing and proving we want transformation more than we want resolution. We, we are saying by the way we are living, physical training is of some value. It's cool. I like to feel good and look good. Amen. It's cool. But godliness is of value in every single way in my life. Every single way. And man, I'm more concerned with being more godly than I am to have a six pack. Not that I could even have one, but I'm just saying. Just saying. I want to look more like Jesus than I want to look like Brad Pitt or Kylie Jenner, whoever, whatever. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Man, I want to sound more like Jesus than I even do Jay-Z or whoever else you're, Blake Shelton or whoever, Taylor Swift, T-Swizzle, whatever. Like, I want to be more like Jesus more than I want to be like Cardi B. They'll love that. <laughs> little pop culture for you. But I want to be like Jesus. I choose. I choose Jesus. Every part of me. Everything that is with, within me. I don't want to hold nothing back. Jesus, I choose you. See, this is what the new year can bring for you and I. This is what it can, can bring. We can utilize it for transformation instead of just resolutions. We can utilize it. And that's why I love the new year. It has the ability to restart, refocus, and say, all right, now, from this point forward, Jesus, I choose you. Touch your neighbor. Say, Jesus, I choose you. Tell him. Say, Jesus, I choose you. Amen. Amen. But look. Because it's a new decade and it's a new year, we're going to launch into a, a brand new series to start this year off. And the name of the series is Miracles. Miracles. God still moves in the modern. Miracles. God still moves in the modern. Touch three people and say, God is still moving. Tell them, God is still moving. I like that move. You just touched the same person three times. That's so good. They must have really needed to hear it. Amen. I love it. But I'm telling you, man, I'm really excited about this series. And this is an intro to where we're headed in this series. It's an intro to tell you, hey, this is where we're, this is where we're going. But I'm really excited about it. And here's why. Because I really feel like God has given us a word to do this series. I'll be honest. Sometimes you, you do series. Now, we're always in God's word. So it's not like it's ever going to return void. However, at times we do what we feel is good to do and not necessarily having a clear cut word from God, trusting though that God is with me and God is for me, so who can be against me? And we're gonna, we're gonna dive in his word and, and that's good. Sometimes in seasons, you have to walk in the anointing that you had in previous seasons, if you remember me preaching on that a couple weeks back. So sometimes, right, it's, it's good and it's, it's cool, but then there's other times where God directs it and he says, I want you here. And I was somewhere else at the beginning of the year. I was somewhere different. And I already had it planned where we were headed for the first six weeks. And God said, no, 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 no. This is where I want you. Miracles. God still moves in the modern. And I'm praying that by the end of this series and during this series, miracles will no longer just be a word in a song we sing. No longer be that. It'll no longer just be this, this nice cliche that we say, right? Like, oh, he's a God of miracles. We. Like, it, it'll no longer be just this foreign concept. Miracles will no longer be that. 
I'm believing that by the end of this series, miracles will be the reality of our lives. It'll be the norm. It'll be the norm because Jesus is showing up on the regular. And because we have belief, we believe that he's the God of miracles. We literally believe it, not just saying it, but believe it with every fiber of our being. Where we're just like Jesus when he's calling Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. Be healed because of our belief in him. I'm believing that that by the end of this this series, man, we're going to be a people with a deep conviction concerning the God of miracles. And listen, I, I don't know about anybody else, right? I don't know about you guys. But I am not interested in doing a good church service. No interest in it at all. I do that at my house all by myself. I do bad all by myself. I mean, I got no interest in it whatsoever. I got no interest in us showing up meeting together and just patting each other on the back about how good we've done in the week. No interest in it. Got no interest in us showing up singing three songs, just singing three and we're in this routine. Oh, this is what we do. We sit, now we get up. We got two more to go. Okay, sit down. I'm not interested in it. Not interested in it any longer. And I'm believing this, man, that at the end of this series and during this series, that we'll no longer be treating church that way. It won't be a to-do list on the list. Instead, we'll desire for this place to be a, be a place of miracles. And do you know why I desire it for, for this place to be a place of miracles? Because God desires it for this to be a place of miracles. He desires it. That's his heart towards his his church, and I'm believing this is where we're heading. This is where, where we're heading. That, that any and every, say any and every. That any and every person that comes with various diseases can come, we'll lay our hands on them, and they'll be healed by Jesus for Jesus, period. I don't even care if we gotta lay our hands on them. Maybe the presence of God will be so thick they just step into the door, boom, healed in Jesus' name. I got no interest in doing church, man, none. Don't go, I don't give a flying leap about it. I have a heart to touch the hem of his garment. That's what I want. And when we meet with him, everything changes. It all changes. And I'm believing that as we go through this series and we start to learn these different things, because sometimes we just got to learn it because we've never been taught it. And that's okay. We're going to do that. We're gonna teach each other that. And maybe, maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, that sounds cool and that sounds nice, man. Like, that's cool. Healing sounds fun. But, but how can that happen? And why do you even think that can happen? Well, John chapter 14, verse 12. Jesus starts off and this is what he says. Truly, truly. We're gonna stop right there. Because this is so important. Truly, truly, the original word, the Koine Greek for this word is amin. He says, amin, amin, which is so significant because I think that we think a lot of times when we're reading the text that we're American, so words really don't mean a whole lot, like it's face value what the word means, but in the Greek, that's not true. So when we read it, we see truly, truly, we're like, oh, he's trying to get our attention, which he is, but it's much, much deeper than that. You gotta hear the conviction in his voice, this, this deep longing for understanding of what he's about to be saying to each and every one of us. He says, truly, truly, I mean, I mean, which means let it be so. 
and it is true. At the beginning of the statement, without even finishing the statement, Jesus says there's a finality to what I'm about to say to you. It's a guarantee what I'm about to say to you. Let it be. It is so. Understand the words that are, that are coming out of my mouth. Don't you understand what? No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> so I get lost sometimes in my own head. He's saying, you who have ears, hear. Hear what I'm trying to tell you because what I'm telling you, it is so and it is true. And it is, it is true. Truly, truly, I say to you, it is so that whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. It is true and greater works than these will he do. That's so good, so powerful. And we should, we should love that, by the way. Be excited about, about that. Truly, truly. See, Jesus is saying, let it be, and it is true, that all who believe in me, they will do the works that I do, and even greater will they, will they do. And he goes on to say this, right? He goes on to say how we're able to do it. And he says this, because I'm going to be with my father. Whatever you ask in my name, this will I do so that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you ask anything in my name, because I will be seated in heavenly places. This is what he's saying. He's saying, because I will be seated on high with all dominion and all authority under my feet. I'll be seated at the right hand of God the Father. So those that believe in me, those that given their life to me, those that have surrendered everything to me, those that call on me, for those people, if they ask anything in my name, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll heal the sick. I'll raise the dead. I'll multiply what the enemy has tried to steal, kill, and destroy. I'll do all of it because you've surrendered your life to me. I'll do all these mighty miracles amongst you and through you for my glory so that my father's glorified. This will all happen because I'm going to, to be with my father. And remember at the very beginning, I mean, I mean, he's saying it is so and it is true. It is so and it is true. There's not, it's not up for debate. It's, it's not a theological question. It's, it's none of these things. It's, it is a fact and it's literal. It's not a parable. He's speaking literally. It is so that whoever believes in me, if they call on me, I'll do great works through them and, and in them. And because Jesus says this, it shows us that he desires for us to be a place of miracles, to operate in the power and the authority of, of miracles, saying we shouldn't be satisfied with anything ordinary. We shouldn't be satisfied at all. Not at all. We shouldn't be satisfied just to come in together and meet together and sing a few songs without the power of God showing up. We shouldn't be satisfied because we don't have to be because Jesus died and he tore the veil so that we can step into the Holy of Holies every single time that we meet together and call on his name. But yet we find ourselves being satisfied with just doing church. Like we're going to the grocery store to buy food. Like we gotta go, I hate it, but we gotta go, we gotta eat. We may not hate church, but it's like, oh, it's just something else I gotta get done. Instead of pressing in and pushing past to be touched by the God of miracles. The church should model miracles. 
should model it. People want to see what miracles look like in real life. They should come to church where Jesus is. Because if he's not here, then what are we doing here? What are we doing here? You've heard me say this. I'm not interested in a social club. Not even a little bit. I'm an introvert to the 30th power. I got no, no interest in socializing. I don't. The only thing I want, man, is to be touched by God. And the Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people, plural. So I come in this place with, with the people of God, my brothers and sisters of God, seeking him so that he'll inhabit us. Should be a place of miracles because God still moves in the modern. Do you know how I know it? Hebrews chapter 13. Besides witnessing it and seeing God heal people, crazy healings. I've seen it with my own eyes. But, but, but before that, why I believed in it. Hebrews chapter 13 says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God, the same God that pulled water from the rock. The same God that split the sea so that the Israelites could walk right through it. The same God that healed the sick, that opened the blind eyes, that raised the dead. The same God that did that then is the same God that'll do it today. Did you know that the Bible says this, that the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in you. So why aren't we acting like it and living like it? I just don't know why not. The same spirit that got Jesus lives and moves on the inside of us. Walking according to faith and not by sight. So when people try to tell you that miracles aren't for today, when they try to tell you that, understand that that's a, a man-made theology. That's not biblical truth. It's not. Matter of fact, it's a lie from the enemy that they believe that. If miracles were just for the people of the Bible, then Jesus wouldn't have went out of his way to say, even greater works will you do. The Bible wouldn't have went out of its way to say that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There'd be no reason to do that. They just said, ah, oh, come and hang out together, guys. Raw. Cheerlead each other. Because look, Jesus, Jesus says the reason that miracles are made possible is because I'm seated with my father. So the miracle working power of God depends upon Jesus being on the throne. That's it. That's what it depends on. It doesn't depend on whether or not the disciples are living or dead. Obviously they're dead, they're old, like they're gone. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The miracles of God depends upon God. See, miracles still happen because Jesus is still king. Miracles can still happen because Jesus is still Lord. Miracles can still happen because he's seated upon high in heavenly places. High and lifted up. High and lifted up. And as his church, as his church, we're to believe that way, talk that way, live that way, and accept nothing less than God is still moving. And I believe in you. You're the God of miracles and I'm believing right now for this, for this, for this. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Because God is still, he's still moving. Come on, touch three people. Remind them, God is still moving. God is still moving.
And as I was studying, right, for this message, as I was studying for this whole series, and I was searching the heart of God concerning the series, especially for the intro, right? Because sometimes the intro is the hardest one because what you're trying to do is set up where you're going. So you're trying to think about where you'll be in six weeks from now, which I have no clue where I'm gonna be in six weeks. But you try, praise God. It goes actually against God. God says, don't worry about tomorrow. <laughs> For today has enough trouble of its own. But here I am six weeks out. Praise the Lord. But as I was searching the heart of God for this, for this intro, and I was speaking to him, the Lord, the Lord said something to me, pointed something out. And you have to see it at the beginning of this series so that by the end of it, we're gonna walk in it, right? We're gonna walk in the miracle power of God. You gotta see it. And it's consistency. That's what he pointed out to me, consistency. And I said, what are you talking about, Lord? Like, I've never heard, like, I don't, what, what do you mean? I've never heard it preached this way. I've never heard it talked like this. Like, what, what do you mean consistency? And he said this, he said, Jesus performed the miracles consistently everywhere he went. And he said, Christianity should breed consistency. I said, okay. All right, Christianity should breed consistency. But what, what, is that, what does that even mean, Lord? What, what, are, you, what are you even talking about? And he, and he took me to John chapter 5, verse 19. And those two famous words are back again. Truly, truly. Again. I mean, I mean, Jesus. It is so. It is true that I only do what I see my father doing. Consistency. And I said, oh, I get it. I get it. See, the consistency by which Jesus lived for the father, the consistency by which Jesus pursued the father, the consistency by which Jesus hungered and thirsted after the father, the consistency by which Jesus lived to please the father was a key ingredient to the miracle working power of God flowing through him. It was the consistency. The consistency. See, one of the things that I, I find the American church we struggle with is consistency. We struggle with consistency. We, we have a hard time with it, man. We, we really do. We, we have a hard time being consistent in our pursuit of Jesus. We have a hard time being consistent in our hunger for Jesus. We have a hard time with consistency, man. We don't consistently come to church. We don't consistently stay in our word. We don't consistently worship Jesus with everything that is within us. We have a really hard time being consistent. And so I'm, I'm thinking about all that and I'm talking to God about it. And one of the things the Lord revealed to me, he said, the reason you have such a hard time with being consistent is because your consistency is linked with your feelings. Your consistency is determined by your feeling. For example, I'm not gonna go to church today because I feel tired, so I'm gonna sleep in. Feelings determining consistency. I'm not gonna read the word today because I feel I'm too busy. Feeling determining consistency. I'm not going to worship the Lord 
this morning because I don't feel it. I'm telling you, if I had a nickel for every time I heard that, I'd be a wealthy man. I'm just not feeling it. Praise God. I'm not going to worship that way because I don't feel that's my personality. I don't, I don't feel it. But the problem with that, all those things I just named, we don't determine how those things are done. He does. God determines. God says how we are to do it. So the Bible says, do not forsake the fellowship of the brethren. You know what that means? Be consistent in your attendance. That's what it means. God said it, not me. The Bible says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, you have to have his word. You better make time. You better make time. Your life depends on it. The Bible says, lift up holy hands unto the Lord. Clap your hands, all ye saints. It says, shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. God says how we are to worship. We don't determine that on our own feelings and our own personalities. He determines it. And this is how he says to do these different things. See, this is the, the consistency that Christianity should bring. And this is so true with the spiritual and with the natural, by the way. So true. Listen, me being a good husband and a, and a good father and a good pastor and a good friend is literally dependent solely upon my consistency to pursue Jesus. You remove Jesus from me and I am a piece of work. I promise you, you wouldn't want to be nowhere near me. But my Christianity has solidified my consistency to go after Jesus with everything that is within me every day. It's consistency. You know, I tell people all the time that I'm getting ready to marry, right? We're going through marriage counseling. And I tell them this every single time. It's the best piece of advice I can give them. I'm like, if you want to love your spouse in the best possible way, you better be consistent in your love for Jesus first or you'll never love them right. You can't. It's consistency. It's over every facet of our life, church. Consistency. You're a good employee. You know why? Because you're consistently coming to work. You're a good husband because you're consistently loving on your wife. You're a good dad, good mom because you're constantly putting your kids above yourself. This is, it's consistency. It's consistency. If we want to be a miracle, if we want to operate in the miracle working power of God, and we want God to move through us in this miraculous, we have to be consistent in our pursuit of Jesus. We got to put aside resolutions and start seeking transformation. Over the next several weeks, right, over these next several weeks, what we're going to be doing as a church is we're going to be walking through the miracles that Jesus performed, the works that Jesus did, so that we can have some understanding of the works he's called us to. We're going to look at the consistency by which he lived his life. And we're to be like Christ. Did you know how the Bible says, be conformed into the image and likeness of the Son? So this is the pursuit to be consistent like Christ was consistent. And I'm believing that by the end of all this, 
that our faith will arise so that our enemies will be scattered. The enemy of fear and depression, the enemy of sickness and disease, the enemy of doubt, these things will be scattered because our faith will, will increase. And as our faith increases, I'm believing that our expectation will start to increase in this place. We'll start to be really excited because, man, I got another opportunity to go worship with a bunch of people who love God with me, and I'm going to have a great time doing it. And I'm going to take advantage over every second of it while I'm there. Every second. I'm believing that, that by the end of it, this is how our, our attitudes will be, our de declaration that Jesus is king is going to increase, man. I'm believing it. And, and I'm telling you that, that by the end of all this, I'm praying that our walk with Christ and consistency will be solidified. That we won't be just Sunday morning Christians. We won't be just fair weather Christians. When life is good, I'll worship. When I've got time to go to church, I'll go. When I, when I feel good enough, I'll mm -mm. No, I'm with him because in him I live, I move, and I have my being. Apart from him, I can do absolutely nothing. So I have to have him, and I'm going after him. And as this Christianity will breed this consistency in us, man, I'm believing that our lives will be a breeding ground for miracles. I really am. That our church will be a hub for miracles where the sick will come in and be healed in Jesus' name. I'm believing that. People will get out of wheelchairs in Jesus' name. I believe it because God's word says it. That we can expect these things because he's good. And he is powerful. And he loves to do good things for his people. Come on and stand to your feet, please. Consistency is key. It's a big key. People struggle in life in this walk because they're not consistent. They're not consistent. Consistency in our pursuit of Jesus will cause the God of miracles to move in our midst. I promise you. I promise you. Proving to everyone. Proving to everyone that God still moves in the modern. That he's still healing the sick. Opening blind eyes opening deaf ears, proving to the world who Jesus is. So let's go from resolutions to seeking transformation by the power of the Holy Ghost. And listen, you can't, you can't transform your life on your own. Again, resolutions you can do for a little bit, but transformation, it takes the Spirit of God. It takes Jesus, period. But the Bible says, as we seek him, we will find him as we seek him with our whole hearts. Seeking him. He'll show up on our behalf, and it's incredible. So I say this, right? This is what I say. I say, it's the new year. So let's do a new year challenge. Let's challenge one another. Let's, let's not condemn one another, by the way. But, but challenge. A little healthy competition never hurt nobody. Let's challenge one another to be consistent in our attendance. Let's challenge one another to be consistent in our word. Let's challenge one another. 
hold each other accountable in our consistent worship of God. This is how we grow as a body together, challenging and holding accountable one another. What's God speaking to you? How's things going? And if they say, well, I'm not reading. Well, then start reading. Praise the Lord. Because I'm believing as we continue to do this, consistently pursue after Jesus, man, any who are sick with various diseases will be able to come in and the power of Jesus, the power of God will touch them and heal them of every and any disease. And look, man, it's, it's the start of the new year. And what we're gonna do here really quickly is we're gonna open these altars up because I wanna start the year off right at the feet of, of Jesus, laying it down at his feet, saying, Lord, help me to be more consistent. Help me to be more consistent. Jeremiah says it this way. He says, Lord, you caused me to walk upright in your statutes. You caused me, God caused me to be consistent. Let's come and lay it at his feet and ask him, Lord, help us to be messengers for your gospel. Help us to be a, a channel in which you can flow through to heal the sick and to, to save the lost. So let's take advantage of the altar time, guys, and then we'll, we'll do communion right after it.